0: welcome to the speak up talk radio network I am Pat Rulo and today I'm so thrilled to share a recent firebird book award-winning author with you she is Amy Schisler and her award-winning book is titled the good wine Amy is a novelist poet children's book author spiritual writer blogger reader and avid traveler with years of professional experience in all manner of writing related endeavors whether she's writing novels filled with faith and inspiration books that children will love, or her weekly blog devoted to family life and faith, she loves connecting and resonating with her readers. Amy's first novel, titled A Place to Call Home, a romantic suspense, debuted in 2014, and her much-loved Chincoteague Island trilogy has won numerous literary awards. Amy lives on the eastern shore of Maryland with her husband Ken, their daughters Katie and Morgan. And sometimes their daughter and son-in-law, Rebecca and Anthony, and of course, their dog, Rosie. When she's not writing, she can be found on a boat in the Chesapeake Bay or hiking in the Rocky Mountains, most often with a good book in her hand. That sounds like the life to me. Welcome to the network, Amy. Thank you very much. I'm really pleased to be here. I'm pleased that you're here and congratulations on the book win. That was exciting. It was exciting. It was the first time that I had entered
1: uh, for a Firebird Award, and I, I was really, really pleased with
0: not just one but four
1: awards. <laughs> so it really made my day.
0: That is so cool. You put it out there, and you never know what's going to come back. But uh, absolutely, yeah. You know, if you don't put yourself out there, then nothing will come back. So it's always a good risk. That's right. Yes. That's right. Well, Amy, you have many books under your belt. Faith-inspired books, Catholic romance. Why did you decide to be a published writer? Let's go back a little bit, and why faith-based?
1: Well, I I have always um, written, ever since I was a little girl. I had a third-grade teacher. Her name was Mrs. Bissop. I will never forget her. Um, She really encouraged me um, with my writing, and especially at the time, poetry. And I grew up writing poetry. In fact, Mrs. Bissop was responsible for my very first published work, which was a children's poem in our local literary magazine, mm-hmm. and um, I look back and laugh now at the the poem that that was accepted. <laughs> but uh, I often wrote poetry all the way through college to help me center myself and let out emotions and uh, kind of. I, things aside that I didn't want to think about anymore, and those typical broken hearts or loss of friendship, loneliness, all of those things that, that we go through as we're growing up, poetry was my outlet for that. And it really evolved into other writing. I, would, I did some freelance uh, writing for organizations, putting things in newspapers and local magazines, but I always knew that there was a book somewhere within me. And uh, I was a librarian for 15 years. And um, at one point, I said to my husband, I'm so tired of shelving other people's books. And he looked at me and said, then what are you waiting for? Um, Which is all I needed, all the encouragement I needed to go ahead and give it a shot.
0: It's always fascinating for me to hear how people come about and get that writing itch. And so many people do say from a very young age, they enjoyed it. They were encouraged. And as you were saying that, I was just thinking about the value of teachers. I mean, here you are all these years later, still remembering this this teacher who, you know, maybe if not for her, you wouldn't be writing.
1: Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I had a couple teachers in high school, too, uh, Mrs. Enrico and Mrs. Wilson, um, who, who, just praised my writing and always encouraged me and, and said, you should do something with writing. I went to college honestly thinking I was going to be a political speechwriter. Oh. And, um, I, I, I just, I loved Peggy Noonan. I admired her so much and thought her writing was incredible, her speeches, her books. And I thought, well, I can be the next Peggy Noonan. Mm-hmm. And somehow or another, I ended up as a librarian. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I'm not even sure what road it was that took me there, but but that's how I ended up and, and now I write full time. That's exciting to write full time. So many people wish that they could, but yet are trying to juggle jobs and children. And that I always feel has to be so frustrating because here you have this great idea bubbling in your mind, but oh gee, I've got to get to work and you know work for somebody else and put that somewhere else until I get home late at night when I'm tired. So, yeah, you're in a good position.
1: Yes. And, and I lived that life. When it, when I wrote my first novel and I, I worked in the library during the day and then my evenings and weekends, I I was writing and it was really difficult. Mm-hmm. And when that got picked up by a publisher, I said to my husband, I really want to do this full time. And he has been the most supportive uh, person I could ever ask for in, in my life. And at every turn, he has said, okay, what do you need for me? Oh. And he knows when I'm really in the midst of a of a book that I it, I am just flying through the the story. It might be seven o'clock at night that he sticks his head in my office and says, uh, should I order a pizza? <laughs> Are <laughs> so, we eating
0: tonight, dear?
1: <laughs> um, that's right.
0: So, um it, which it's much better to order a pizza than to have him cook. So <laughs> I'm fine with that. Oh, we're finding things out today. Uh, you know what? Again, it's wonderful to have the support of a spouse and family because, again, you couldn't do it if someone was saying, why are you doing that? You know, you should be working. So you are just in a perfect situation to become all that you are supposed to be. I, I
1: truly believe that.
0: I truly believe that, that I am blessed and that that
1: I With each stage, with each book, with each development of my career,
0: I feel like I am moving closer and closer to where I am meant to be. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So only time will tell. Exactly. Just follow the road. You don't need to know where you're going. It'll take you someplace good. That's right. So you started with poetry as a young person. Uh, I don't think it's a far leap to go from poetry to a more faith-based novels as you have. How did that come into being?
1: You know, very gradually, um, I, there's, there is so much of me and my own personal history and background in my books. And so when I first started writing my, my first couple books were not, I would not call them faith based, but the characters shared my faith and that came out right. in the books that I wrote. Um, I'm not even sure it was intentional. And then, um, I had the extreme, extreme blessing in 2016 of going on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And honestly, that changed my life. Mm -hmm. And I came back and I thought, you know, I I feel like my my writing could be a little bit more. There's something that I'm not doing, something that I'm missing. And I have found that in every book I've written since then— when i put more of my faith into the book it actually makes for a better book Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it, it just really was a very natural natural progression and it isn't something that i think of at this point it's just there it just happened
0: sure it comes from you so it has to be about you and with you if that makes perfect sense yes well then tell us about or a little bit about your book that won the firebird book award the good wine give us a little peek
1: Okay, The Good Wine, um, it can certainly be read by itself. It was written as the sequel to an earlier book, Whispering Vines. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew when I wrote Whispering Vines, I got to a, a part where um, this couple who owned a vineyard, they were talking to the, the gentleman's mother about her life. They were in Italy, but about the summer she spent in Baltimore in Little Italy. And um she had a kind of a far away look in her eye and sounded very wistful. And the young woman in the story thought there's a story there. And that was the first time I knew that there was a story there, that there was something in this woman, Marta's past that needed to be explored. And I actually waited five years for Marta to tell me what her story was. I kept coming back to it and thinking about it and she just, you know, her voice in my head kept telling me, you're not ready yet. I'm not ready to tell you yet. And so I published several other books in the meantime. And then one day I just sat down and I could hear her voice saying, let me tell you my story now. Okay. And it came out as The Good Wine. Uh, and it is much like the first book. It is a dual story of, of the present and the past. And um, she tells the past of that summer in Little Italy through journal writings. And then the present is Marta, now a widow, coming back from Italy, from Florence, to Little Italy, Baltimore, to look for the people she left behind, particularly one gentleman that she left to go back to Italy to marry her fiancé. So it, it is a second chance romance. Um, doesn't go as smoothly as most people would hope their second chance romances go. Um, not to, not to give away a whole lot because you do learn pretty early on that when she goes back and Marta finds Dominic, her, her true love, uh, he is dying of cancer. Mm. So there's a lot to be, uh, a lot of feelings to be worked out, past hurts, regrets. But also, is there a future here? Can it be possible and what does it hold? Oh wow. So faith really plays a huge part in, in that story. Um, not just, not just a faith in God or a faith in religion, but a faith in each other, so, yeah. a faith in, in the belief that they should be together. Uh, so it's, it's an important component. Oh.
0: When you first started out, you talked about how you were ready to write the book, but somehow there was the wisdom to wait for the right time and to hear the voice. I find that to be absolutely fascinating. And you know what's
1: funny is is that as I it, it flowed, it just I I think I wrote the entire first draft in in about three weeks, and um, a lot of it as I was writing um, were based on things that I had actually just learned and experienced over the last five years. And I thought all of those things came together and built up and produced this work that I honestly wasn't ready to write back then.
0: Don't you wonder where this inspiration or these voices or the... I don't even know how to explain it, where that comes from, and and it comes in its own time. It does, and and I
1: can't explain it. I I have a giant whiteboard on a wall in my office. Uh, It takes up half of of a long space of wall, so it's probably six by six feet, and it is just covered with story ideas and little character sketches. And uh when I'm ready to start another book, I'll just stand there and I'll look at it and i'll and I'll decide which one of those is speaking to me every now and then. It's somebody totally off the board <laughs> uh, but but usually, there's something on there that I had a thought about at one point that when I'm ready it it just it just comes to me and I look and I say, "Oh, yep, that is exactly the story that I'm ready to write right now."
0: Oh my gosh! When you said that, I got a visual of standing in your closet trying to decide what to wear, and <laughs> it's the same thing. It's a lot like that. <laughs> oh my yes. gosh! This is this is so interesting. Let's talk about your characters, Marta Dominic. How how did they come about? How do you fashion them, or do they do they control you? How is that process for you? Oh my my characters completely control everything. In the book, uh, whenever
1: I, I go to write a book, um, I, I know who my characters are going to be. I know how the book is going to begin, and I know how I want the book to end. But they are completely character-driven, and I just—I really do let them tell me how the story is going to go and how to put it down. And I—I I feel like that's why. I can write so quickly and so easily because I'm not stopping to think about it. I'm just letting them take me wherever they're going to take me.
0: I imagine by the end of the day, by 7 o'clock when your husband peeks in looking for dinner, you probably feel like you've just spent the day with a whole bunch of people.
1: I do. I do. (laughs) And I say I I always tell people like the best job in the world because I spend every day with fascinating people (laughs) Going to places that I may or may not have ever been and learning something new every day. But I, and I, I say may or may not. Eventually, by the time I finish writing a book, I have been to wherever that book takes place. Some of the books are inspired by places I've been. In fact, the first one in these two whispering vines, uh, my husband and I were on a vineyard tour outside of Verona, Italy. And something about this man, this young man, his love for his vineyard and his pride in his wine and, uh, just the exuberance that, that came from him as he gave the tour was really inspiring. And at one point my husband turned and he leaned over and whispered, you're writing a book right now, aren't you? <laughs> I said, yes, I am. Um, but other times I just, I, I feel like there's a place, a setting that a book wants to take place and maybe I've never been there mm-hmm. or I've only been there once or I've, and I, I will take a trip over the course of writing the book. I'll do a lot of my research online first, but you can never get a real taste of it. Right. Um, I, I have a, a series, um, that the second book just came out in December, uh, that takes place in the Ozarks in Arkansas. And I have a girlfriend who lives there who kept telling me, come, 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 you have to write a book here. You're going to write a whole series. I know you're going to write a whole series here. And I kept telling her, I don't write series. I do trilogies. I'll do a sequel. I don't do series. No, 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 you have to come. So I went, finally I gave in and I went and I spent a week with her in the Ozarks and she drove me around to all these beautiful little towns in the Ozarks. And at one point she said, We're going to drive through this town. Just close your eyes. It's the most depressing place around here, and everything's going out of business. It's just terrible, but we have to drive through it, and we did, and it had the cracked sidewalks and the old, beautiful fountain in the center of town that was broken and dry, and the windows were boarded up or cracked, and we went through the town, and I turned to my girlfriend and said, you're going to think I'm crazy. But you're right. Yep. I'm going to write a series and that town yep. is going to be where it's set. Wow. Wow. So I, I never, even if I have a place in mind or I'm thinking it over, it's, it helps to go. You have to be there and you have to see the place and meet the people and get a feel
0: for the area. And I think that's part of the reason why my characters just right. take on a life of their right. own. Right, right. It's real. This book about the Ozarks, has it been published yet? The second one just came out. The first one is called Desert Fire, Mountain Rain. Mm-hmm.
1: That came out in t- uh, 2019. In 2020, the second one, Under the Summer Moon. Okay. And I'm, I'm currently um, working on the first book in my second trilogy that takes place on Chickahominy Island in Virginia. But I also have the third one. The first draft is done of the third one of this uh, Buffalo Spring Series in the Ozarks. So... I hope to have two two books come out this year, the Tinkateek one and another Ozark one. Oh, oh, I love your life. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to be honest. I do, too. As I said, I feel really blessed, and it's exciting. It's exciting to sit down at my desk every day and think about, gosh, what's going to happen with these characters today? Yep. And, of course, sometimes they wake me up in the middle of the night <laughs> and, and they tell me, this is how I want you to write this scene. Oh, and I'll have to get up and jot it down and uh, so that I don't forget it.
0: That's so funny. What's it like having two books in your mind going on paper at the same time? Is that easy for you to go back and forth?
1: Um, I try to never work on both of them at the same time uh, I try to have the first draft of the one done and then maybe it's an editing or maybe I'm a, a little bit farther on and um, all of the graphics are being done for the cover and the promos and, and all of that um, while I'm concentrating on the other one. But I try to have one whole book completely written before I will sit down and do the next. and And sometimes it's hard. Because I, I will have these ideas, and I will have these characters, and I'll just have to keep going back and taking notes or writing things down until I get a chance to get to that book. But just for my own organizational sake, I I won't work on a second one unless the first one is completely written as far as at least the first draft. Okay. So what
0: does exactly. your writing process look like? Where, when... Give us your typical day, let's say, your writing day.
1: Um, I, I usually wake up about 6.30 in the morning, and from 6.30 to 7, I, I do some some readings, some meditations, some prayers, um, and then I get up and get on my workout gear. If it's a day, I don't go anywhere, and I really try if I have to go places, doctor's appointments, meetings, I try to schedule all that stuff on one day. Mm-hmm. I have one solid day where I can't write. So the other days I can get up, I have my breakfast, I read the newspaper. My daughter, like everybody else in the world, has just gotten me into Wordle. (laughs) So we have a little competition every morning on who can find the the word first. And um, then um, I always call my mother. Every morning at 8.30 in the morning, I call my mother and just, We check in, we chat for about a half hour, and then I say, okay, mom, I'm going to work. And I work and straight through until noon. Um, one day a week, typically Mondays, I set aside to do some marketing stuff in the morning, a couple hours in the morning, um, maybe some updates on my website, that kind of thing. Um, but the rest of the week, I'm, I'm writing from nine until about 12. I stop, I exercise. I take a shower and get dressed, eat lunch, and then I am am back in my office uh, no later than two o'clock at the latest. I try to take that whole time to refresh my mind, to stop thinking about it, right. to let things settle for a little bit, and then I'll go back. and A lot of writers don't do this, but I always go back and reread Read. what I wrote that morning. Mm-hmm and settle that back into my mind, get back in that space and make sure that I know where the character wants to go next. Mm -hmm. And then I will write until whatever time I can in the evening. Um, And a lot of times that depends on where I am with the book and if I feel like I just can't stop. Mm -hmm. I've been known to write until 8 or 9 o'clock at night. Right. And then I, I will say to myself,
0: that's it. It is time to stop. <laughs> Enough's enough. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. Well, the most important thing you do every morning is call your mom. I love that. I, I agree. Yep. I agree and and if
1: I'm away if if I'm on a trip or 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 have a meeting or something then the next day my mom says, "I really missed our call." <laughs> so, mom. I'll try at the very least if I have to go into town. I'm about a half hour from town. So a lot of times I'll try to schedule a doctor's appointment or something at 9 o'clock so that I get in my car, I call mom, and I have that
0: ride. No, that's a beautiful thing. I used to call my mom every morning at the same time and then every evening to check in just say make sure she was back home or everything was okay. So I love that.
1: Yeah, it's important, really important for us to do that. And and that's one of the, the things that I think really comes out in my books. Um, I, I have a, a lovely friend, Alexandra Hamlet, who's also a writer. She lives in Richmond, Virginia. And we were together at a conference one time, and it was a romance writer conference. And I kept telling her that I I never feel like I fit in at those. I never feel like I fit in as a romance writer. And we were in our hotel room the, one evening. I think we were waiting to go to dinner, and I was sitting on my bed, and she was sitting on hers going over emails, and we started talking about this, and and she said to me in her beautiful Virginia accent, Amy, my dear, you don't fit in to the romance genre because you don't write romance. You write love stories. Oh, oh. And we started talking about how my books are not based in romance. Mm-hmm. They're based in multiple kinds of love It's it's um, romantic love. It's love for family. It's love for community. It is love for uh, for God. It is all different loves, and it's also love for self, because many of my characters start out not loving themselves for one reason or another, and all of these other loves—finding romantic love, accepting family love accepting community love, accepting God's love all of these things really lead them to yes in most cases a romantic ending but what's more important is that self-love that they discover by the end.
0: Oh how wise was she It makes me think we need to add another category to the firebird book Awards the love <laughs> genre. We don't have that but actually that what you're saying makes sense there is a difference between a between romance and romantic love and love, pure, true love. Right. Absolutely. In fact, one of my books, I won't
1: give anything away, one of my books, the character really thinks throughout most of the book that she is falling in love with somebody that she doesn't end up in love with. Mm-hmm. And it was because she wasn't at her place with all of those other kinds of love mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And once she got there, and really discovered herself and who she was, and the person who was in love with her also had to discover who he was and what he wanted out of life. Then everything fell into
0: place. Hmm. This is very therapeutic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think reading and
0: writing are both incredibly therapeutic. Absolutely, for sure. I also appreciated the bit of advice about when you go back to your writing office, that you reread what you previously wrote just to get you back in the swing of things. Even taking an hour, a half hour, or two hours off, it puts you in a different headspace, so you do need to go back and reread. That's pretty smart.
1: It does, but it's a necessary headspace. Mm-hmm. I find yes. that that um, sometimes I, I will find that I'm kind of going off on a tangent and I have to bring myself back in and yep. take that break. Um, or i just I may get distracted and it all depends again upon where i am in that in that writing process sometimes you're you can get a little more distracted when i get farther along in the story and things are really racing at a fast pace then i'm all in mm-hmm. but i've heard a lot of writers say that uh, i give advice never go back and reread what you've written until you're done oh and and i always find that that doesn't That doesn't work for me. I need to make sure that what I'm writing is really leading me to where I need to be. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that without going back and rereading what I've already written.
0: Oh, that is interesting. So there's two sides to that. Yes. That thought process. And I I
1: have seen that a lot that writers say, oh, that's a really bad idea to go back. Get it all out there. Finish the book and then go and then back go and back. reread it and i just that and i am sure that does work for for many people mm-hmm. but it does not work for me
0: well it sounds like a very personal choice and i would imagine that each person would have to try it both ways and see what what makes sense for them yes i yeah. think you're right about that yeah absolutely oh my gosh we have covered quite a bit today but i want to make sure that we are not missing anything that you wanted to bring up today
1: Oh, gosh, I feel like your questions and the way you've steered me and and what it has led to has has covered, as you said, a, a lot of ground. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that all of my books are available in print. They're all available in ebook, um, and they're all available everywhere. Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, so if your local bookstore does not carry them, they can get them from all of the Normal channels. Um, I publish through Ingram, so very easy to order books um, mm-hmm. from Ingram. And um, more than half of my books, I think, at this point, are on audio. Some of my older ones, I'm I'm still looking at getting them on audio, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's quite an expense to do.
0: It is. I do audiobook narration, and a lot of times people are surprised at the expense. But if you really think about what goes into that process you cannot skimp because it shows and it represents you so audiobook narration and production is a total entity in itself yes yeah. it really is and and i don't think
1: i fully appreciated it until i started working with audiobook mm-hmm. producers mm-hmm. but i've had some fabulous ones and in fact um, the book that that we've been talking about the award winner the good wine both that and whispering vines are in audio and i think both of those are are some of the best audio books that 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 I have helped produce. I just think they've done a fabulous job.
0: Good, good, that's good that you find someone that creates a product and an end result that represents you well, that you're happy with. Yes, and the good wine was not easy because Mm -hmm. Marta was
1: Italian, so she spoke both Italian and English, and that had to be an authentic accent. Dominic and his family are from Little Italy, Baltimore, which is an accent all unto itself. Oh my. And then you have the other people in the baltimore area who have a different accent than the little italy so it was a tough book
0: <laughs> and i can't imagine what one person could handle all of those accents that's, yeah that's... and and she it, it, it took me a while i went through several um interviews with narrators several auditions sure. and and uh, she's just fantastic oh good i'm glad you landed on the perfect person that's awesome All right, Amy Schistler, share any contact information, how people can contact you. I know we can get your books just about wherever you can find books, but any other places they can find you.
1: I do have a website, amyschistlerauthor.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I don't have much of a Twitter presence, but uh, I am there, and uh, I post social media posts every day, and I have a weekly blog that is also
0: on my website amyshislerauthor.com oh, com, and she spelled the last name s-c-h-i-s-l-e-r oh my gosh amy this was so inspiring today i really enjoyed speaking with you the book is titled the good wine amy schisler you are fabulous you're going to have to share more with us and come back again i'd love to do that thanks so much pat this has been a lot of
1: fun